0: Isaiah chapter 60. I want to start with this and I'll give you a few scriptures later. Arise, shine. Verse 1 and 2. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Have you heard that before? Maybe you've read that before. Look at verse 2. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you and His glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Man, that is so applicable to the days that we live in currently. Because on one hand, we have darkness covering the earth. We've got people living in spiritual darkness, moral depravity. But on the other hand, Jesus is the light of the world. John 8 verse 12. And he continues to shine into people's lives and then their world can turn around and uh, and this is a re- this is reflected in Australia's history and even in our landscape like we're in real nation of contrasts if you you know have traveled as I'm sure you have a little bit around our country it's so dramatic and different our landscape you know you've got the snowy mountains and then you've got the tropical rainforests up north you've got you know the red center dry, dusty, arid, and then you've got the world's best beaches all along the eastern seaboard of Australia. Uh, sorry, Lynn. I mean, I'm sure the beaches are nice in New Zealand, but, you know, you got, you got mountains. In fact, we've, we drove around the Hunter Valley with the Cowies, you know, Ian and Linda Cowie, good friends of Lynn's, and we drove around the Hunter Valley with them one day, and we said, oh, isn't this beautiful? Look at all the mountains around here. And they said, guys, these are not mountains. <laughs> You need to go to New Zealand, these are just hills. <laughs> and they're kind of not even that green, you know. <laughs> and uh, so New Zealand has, has incredible landscape as well. But we'll do a series on New Zealand another time. We, we, we won't do a series on New Zealand. We, we, um, but uh, we love them. And in fact, uh, we were nearly the same nation. You know, they considered that New Zealand might have been a state, that would have been better. It save us a lot of heartache in the rugby, but anyway. Um, so oh imagine that okay Uh, so and of course if you're from western australia apologies you think you've got the best beaches but anyway whatever we've got beautiful landscape but you know it's it's contrasting and 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 dramatic and our history is also rather dramatic there's nothing mild or mediocre comfortable or calm about australian history it's a wild ride and we've been talking about that full of drama over the last couple of hundred years we've talked about some of the tough times in early australia We mentioned Richard Johnson, the very first Christian minister to come to Australia on the First Fleet, arriving in 1788. And I came across an extract from one of his diaries um, that he wrote two years later because, of course, you know, thousands of convicts kept coming on the transport ships and he was there looking after them as best he could. Two years after he arrived, he wrote this in his diary, August the 21st, 1790. Wow, so that's like one week and 232 years ago. And he wrote, um, have been very much employed since the arrival of this last fleet. These came in here in a most deplorable situation. Nearly 200 died upon the passage and since their arrival I have buried above 100 more. Numbers yet sick, some likely to die and others never to appearance will be fit for any employment. Never did I see such a scene of misery in my days, in every sense, truly wretched, naked, filthy, dirty, and covered in lice, and many of them unable to stand, to creep, or even to stir hand or foot, have been a a great deal amongst them till I have come home quite ill. I mean, isn't it amazing that we ended up with a civilised, successful society that survived when they started with those kind of conditions? And, uh, and yet living conditions have improved and Australia's prospered. But we've still had this long, dark history of suffering, tragedies, injustices. Uh, but this series that we've been shining a light on, you know, of the, the many positives in our history. And we've reflected on, you know, in the news and, and classic history of Australia is sadly just focusing often on the negative. And we've noticed that we've got some very positive things in our heritage and history like the blessing of the gospel coming with that first fleet. As problematic as it was to bring European settlement to Australia, uh, the gospel came and it was spread not just around Australia but beyond because we had a lot of Aussie-based missionaries bravely going into the South Pacific and and bringing uh, the gospel to those nations where people were living uh In abject poverty and cannibalism and you go to those nations these days and you've got a very strong christian presence with great generally uh, christian ethics running through their society Um, we've heard about a lot of great uh, revivals well documented but often not publicized throughout our history in cities and rural settlements. And we had our guest, Katie Dunstan, sharing about how God's moved in indigenous communities like hers very powerfully over the years and continues to do so. We've noticed the strong Christian influence that's often been in our government and in other institutions. And we've reflected on how good it is that we've had so many people from different countries and cultures and races and ethnicities from all over the world coming to Australia and yet we've maintained this cohesive society we are probably the most successful multicultural society in the world so we should appreciate that it's awesome you know I mean an Aussie barbecue is cool but we get a Korean barbecue and you've got friends who you know when I grew up we used to tease our Greek and Italian friends because we were just stupid and Anglo and you know probably racist without realizing and then we just slapped ourselves into shape and got over the racism and realized this is awesome I, I went to school with a kid called Mario Buddhaglieri what a great name and Buddha as we called him his mum was an amazing cook because she's Italian you know and then I got you know friends Pietro di Girolamo, you know and he's just this colorful character and and so you got you know uh, a lot of ethnic people now hopefully getting on generally certainly we don't feel any you know animosity towards people coming it's great we've all come from somewhere so bring them in and let's you know maintain this cohesive wonderful society but what about the future we've been blessed in the past you know we've had the light of the gospel shining into those dark places but what's going to happen into the future are we going to see an increase in evil and darkness so that the world just sinks into a moral abyss and australia is completely beyond redemption because that's what some people postulate. Or is the kingdom of God going to simply expand in such a way that we could say all Australia will be saved and that we just spread the good news so effectively that the light will completely overcome the darkness? Will we just march forward so that we've got this ever increasing Christian influence? In society so morals and ethics all just neatly line up with God's will well maybe that's just a bit of an overreach too because you know for a long time Christians in the Western world really believed that that would happen they held to a view theologians call it post millennialism which says that uh, the gospel will impact the nations of the world so much that we will experience continued moral progress that will usher in the millennial reign of Jesus and then the second coming of Jesus. So this is prophesied in the book of Revelation, the millennium, Revelation chapter 20, talks about a thousand year reign of Christ on the earth. And according to that view, they thought we would just gradually bring on the millennium by this ever improving society, hence the word post, because Jesus would come back after the millennium, post-millennialism. Well, that produced a lot of reform movements all throughout the 1800s. A lot of societies sprung up trying to impact general society so that evil would just be eradicated and completely overcome by good. It was also the, the predominant Eschatological view or the end times view of early Australian Christians So that was the springboard of the gospel into the South Pacific because they figured we'll evangelize all these nations They'll all get saved they did a pretty good job of it because a lot of islander nations really are well uh, evangelized But uh, They just believed that the forces of darkness would gradually be completely defeated by the expansion of God's kingdom throughout history So You know, and we've, as I said, we've seen great expansion and the kingdom of God's impacted. But by the 20th century, people realised the whole world is not altogether getting better. There is still a lot of evil. Throw in a couple of world wars and that view is right out the door. And so today, most Christians are pre-millennialists. In other words, believing that Jesus will come back. We believe what the Bible says, and Revelation 20 is quite clear, about a literal thousand year reign of Christ but we believe he's going to come back before that millennial reign pre-millennial and Satan is then bound for a thousand years and after that the final judgment and you can go and read the book of Revelation and Daniel and figure it all out for yourself or like me figure out five percent of it and uh and then you know sort of just trust God with the rest but so the point is until that point we will have light and dark coexisting not one simply without the other. We will have positives and negatives in society at the same time. We will have good and evil running alongside each other. So on one hand, Australia, like the rest of the world, will continue to suffer from the effects of sin. But we've also got the gospel impacting lives, saving lives, influencing society. So what attitude, what kind of approach should a Christian have towards Australia and its future? Well, I believe we need two qualities. We need awareness and we need hope. And what I mean by that is you need to have a realistic awareness of what is going on in the world and not just put your head in the sand. You know, we know the the world's gone crazy, as they say, and it's influenced by sin and it's covered by darkness. But rather than just being angry at it or Overwhelmed by it or influenced by it. We bring the influence and we live with hope Because of what Jesus has done. So I want you to see a few Bible verses because this is how we build our lives on The Word of God and look at what the Bible says. Here's a few you could jot them down Meditate on them later and they lead to one Overwhelmingly strong point to capture in your heart. Psalm 90 sorry, Psalm 39 verse 7 says but now lord what do i look for my hope is in you that's pretty clear isn't it david had ups and downs he had all the world had to offer he was the richest man on the planet imagine that he was the elon musk of his day you know he didn't have a spaceship but he had a pretty good chariot and uh he had everything the world he realised my hope is not in riches, it's not in power, prestige. He had it. He was a cool dude, who, you know, amazing warrior. He had people applauding him for all. He was a he was a songwriter. He was like a pop star. He was he was like you know, the combination of a conquering general and some cool rap star whose name I don't know. But I look towards these people to come up with the name. Thank you, whoever you just said. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know and so but look what he says my hope is in you and that is the theme right through the psalms his hope is in in the lord look at romans chapter 12 verse 12 here's a guy we did a whole series on the book of philippians and looked at paul's life and how he had suffered but he was full of joy when he wrote to the philippians and here he is writing to the romans uh, and he says be joyful in hope and patient in affliction And faithful in prayer. Wow, he knew how to do all those things. He had been afflicted, but he was hanging in there. And he was faithful in his prayers. But look, he was full of joy and he had hope. Hope is this quality that God provides for us. He wants us to take a hold of. Look at a few chapters later in the same book, Romans 15 verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. It's up to you. You don't have to trust in him. You can just be full of misery. Your choice. But if you really trust in God, ah, your heart is filled with hope. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So you overflow so much, other people pick up on it. Oh, the world's terrible. Have you read the news? Yeah. Well, doesn't it worry you? Look, at climate change. Droughts, can have never had living in permanent drought. I just read an article this morning in the newspaper. It says that the trust in our government is at an all-time low. Oh, it can't it's terrible, you know, and and it's so easy just to get totally negative, you know. But you are overflowing with hope because you trust in the Lord, and that's touching other people. Well, why aren't you so depressed? What's Why aren't you so worried? Because I've got someone else I trust in. So, and and here we go. I'm, like I said, I'm throwing a lot of scriptures at you. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 to 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus overcame the grave, and so will you. You die in the Lord, you just hiccup into heaven. You just just get over that hurdle and bam, there you are in heaven. And so what a great hope we have to see our lost loved ones when they die in the Lord, to know that death isn't the end scary kind of deal for us that we are heading towards our ultimate home in heaven. That's hope, isn't it? Because what's the worst thing in life? What's the scariest thing? Death. Okay, but death, where is your sting, as the Bible says? It's like, yeah, death, you know. What a great attitude. I love, I remember reading about Martin Luther, you know, he reckons that the the devil appeared to him at the end of his bed. He woke up. You've ever felt an evil presence in your room? You know, maybe you've slept somewhere that you're not used to and you forgot to pray over that room. Man, I've learned that lesson. You pray over, you go and stay in a hotel and especially in some countries of the world, you pray over that room. But if you forget, you might feel, and they reckon that Martin Luther, he wrote, he woke up and Satan was at the end of his bed. He sat up, he went, Oh, it's only you, and he went back to sleep. He just had such an attitude of like, Yeah, I'm a child of the king, and I've figured it out. I'm saved by grace through faith, you know, it's not by works. So we live with hope. And that hope, as I said, it isn't based on good government policies or medical advancements or better business opportunities improved education scientific breakthroughs social justice campaigns or anything else that although they may be good there's nothing else that really need that provides the basis of your hope the hope for australia is in one word one person one name one savior jesus and he's our hope and he is there for others and where is he Is he way up there, so distant, so far from people? Oh no, we forget sometimes how close he really is. Back to the Bible, look at Colossians chapter 1. Have we got that? Chapter 1, verse 26 The mystery that has been kept, there it is, kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the lord's people that's you to them to us god has chosen to make known among the gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery which is christ in you the hope of glory oh look at that we got ran out of room and then boom the hope of glory it's got its own page fantastic christ in you the hope of glory where's jesus in you he's in you you give your life to Christ he comes he fills you and he fills you with hope and that hope is ultimately the hope of glory the whole the hope of being in his glorious presence and so we carry that hope within us for our neighbors and our nation and for the next generation for our children and for our children's children and so you know we as Ruth and I you know raising children years ago we figured we are not going to be you know negatively uh, impacting our children no matter what the news says you really got to watch how much I like to keep in touch with what's going on but half the news you read is more negative opinion and 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 you've got to and so we wanted our kids to grow up with a sense of hope for the future I mean I know of some people tragically who have decided not to have children because they think the world is not a good enough place for them to come into come on you want to be brave and then others say, oh, well, you can't have too many children because we haven't got enough food to go around. When I was a kid, they used to say, well, the food's going to run out. Do you remember, if you're old enough, remember this? They're talking about it, we're all going to have to eat seaweed. We're going to have farms on the bottom of the ocean. I mean, no offense, if you like seaweed, I've seen my grandchildren inflicted with seaweed. And I says, oh, it's a great snack. I'm like, that, that's disgusting. My, I say, here's some money. Kids, we're going to Maccas. They'll give you some real food. Hey, come on, have some chippies, yeah, hey, the kids light up. Eleanor's like, no, they like it, I, they like it. You know, and then if I get a treat, I'm like, you know, you want a treat here, here's a Mars bar. Eleanor's like, no, you give them one little scrap of a, you let them smell the chocolate and take it away again. We all start off like that, Eleanor, we all, yeah, she's too. give it a few years. Your sister didn't even know what anything but water was. We were like, right, and she, and then, and then she discovered sugar uh, at the age I don't know what. We tried to, you, you know what I mean, parents. You try, you start, you try. You're all very altruistic. Oh my children, they just they eat seaweed and they love it. Uh, you send them to a couple of birthday parties. They come back and go, Mum, you never know. What guess what? They had cake with real sugar. And they're covered in chocolate and it's never the same again. Anyway, I don't know where I am. Sorry. So, we wanted to raise our children well. And I don't, but I'm just saying, you know, you want to raise your kids with hope. I think that was the point, and I got waylaid. Um, something about, I don't know how we got onto food, but, uh, but, you know, really, we should pass on that hope in the Lord for our children. Yeah, so there is great hope for them, that's why I was saying how some people are, you know, concerned about bringing their kids into the world and all that There is great hope to enjoy a great life, to serve God's purposes in the future, to impact their generation Not to be bound up with fear and worry about politics, economics, the climate, wars, whatever To live with hope and, you know, hope produces confidence for life You know, it's like, it's going to work out, you're just confident, it's going to be fine so well on what basis but look at the news yeah i'm reading the word of god i don't look at what's going on there i look here and the lord's in here and i'm full of you know a positive attitude for life it's not made up it's not just a positive mental attitude it's not being what do they say a pollyanna you know some silly tripping around without basis you've got every reason to be positive and hopeful for the future and for our nation and we carry that impacting influencing other people you know on the sporting field when you're confident you know that feel i mean back in the day you know some of you older blokes like me those days are long gone but you remember if in the distant past of the days you run out onto that sporting field and your team has been doing well all year or you rock up at that race and you know the guys that you're better than and you're like I'm gonna I'm gonna whip you you know I know in, in athletics you, you get to the you know you've seen them before you know your competitors and all that That confidence you perform so well when you are confident when you know oh you, you remember that remember that feeling boy you know and so um and so that is how we should ah, carry ourselves in this world not prideful you know there's just confidence just hopeful just knowing hey I'm on the winning team. The Lord said, I'm more than a conqueror. He's won the battle. I'm gonna win this race. I'm it's all decided. I just gotta go through the motions. I just gotta get out there. It's like I mean, I got a mate, I was just saying to someone the other day, he 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 was like the best guy in our team playing he had played at a very high level of rugby. He played for New South Wales country, and then we were playing sub districts rugby rugby. So the the basically the game plan was Pass it to Bucco, just give him the ball, we'll win the game, you know? And seconds to go, I remember with the last minute, the drop goal from 40 metres out at an angle, there you go, we won that one, you know? And other team's thinking, we're gonna win, it's like, no, pass to the Bucco, there you go, scored, there. Just, and you just have this confidence, and we made it to the grand final, but I did my ankle and we lost the grand final. So what can you read into that, eh? <laughs> uh, I couldn't, yep, yep, yeah, yeah. so all I can say, you know? Anyway, uh, so. What was I preaching about humility, wasn't I? Oh, oh, okay. Better read some more of those Bible verses. Pride comes before a fall. So, anyway, uh, so look, you can't... Australia's always been a land of opportunity and, and will be into the future. And I don't just mean in a sense of like business or worldly success, I mean as far as those with faith and willingness to grab a hold of the call of God, a ministry that makes a difference in the world, your destiny in God is waiting there and you want to grab a hold of it. Because look, we can't accurately predict the future, we don't know what it's going to look like, but what we do know is that we can live for God. We can trust in him. We can be filled with the Holy Spirit. We can reach out with the good news. We can pray for our country. We can carry the kingdom of God, carry his presence, carry that heavenly influence onto earth. And, and, you know, Jesus said, like I said, John 8, 12, he said, I'm the light of the world. But he also said, you are the light of the world. And so when we notice the darkness, we're not surprised by it. We're not overwhelmed by it. In fact, in fact, when things get darker, light just gets more noticeable and more attractive you know you, you've gone caving or you've been you know searching for something uh, in the house and it's all dark the power blackout lights are out I mean candles candles are gone you've all got phones now it's all fine it's no big mystery no big you know back in the day you get a blackout all the kids would scream and you got to search for candles all right kids find a candle now kids just go yeah whatever turn on their phone they just, just keep scrolling on Facebook yeah whatever when's the power co-? I don't care You know, powers. But, you know, if something's, if, if it's a dark situation, the darker it gets. Oh, oh, there's the light. Wow. You appreciate it. You notice it. And so that's what it's like in the world. If things are dark, it just the gospel is just even more attractive. It's more appealing. If people hit, what do they say? You, get, you can't look up till you hit rock bottom. If someone's really suffered and gone down, that's not the end of the world because the light, the goodness of God, the gospel will pick them up. They'll appreciate, oh, wow, look, I'm down here, but there's the hope that I need to get a hold of. That's, and so we, our job then is to just keep shining, to be hopeful, to bring that influence. As Solomon noted thousands of years ago, Proverbs 14, verse 34, you've probably heard this, righteousness exalts a nation. I don't think I gave you that scripture. Don't panic, Jasper. Uh, don't everyone turn around just where's the scripture what's wrong with him i don't think i gave this one righteousness exalts a nation but sin is a disgrace to any people so in our own way we are you are a change agent for your country because righteousness not yours but god's in you exalts or lifts or produces a positive effect in your nation there's a positive godly influence that you bring to bear wherever you go and you want to and don't think that as I said, government decisions are the answer. In fact, also, don't think that government decisions are always going to be terrible because, you know, we've all heard of this slippery slope argument. In recent years, there's been legislation, there's been changes, and Christians sometimes just throw their hands in the air and despair and go, oh, well, the world's just a moral mess. It's all going to pot. It's terrible, you know. And, and that, you know, the, the crazy morals of society are just going to get worse and worse. Government policies policies will follow suit and, you know, we're all just going to suffer. But, you know, I've been reading a lot of Australian Christian history as we've gone through this series. I come across some great examples of changes that haven't just always gone downwards morally but sometimes shifted. For example, you know, uh, in the 1800s in South Australia, they passed the Secular Education Act because they wanted to keep religious education out of schools they had you know the Enlightenment influence, uh, modernising society a lot of people saying "Right, we have done with Christianity Uh, you know we want to move on and so many people just accepted this but some pushed back so much so that 20 years later they changed the law again to bring the Bible back into the schools and to have Christian education in public schools And so don't think that things will always just keep getting worse. Things can shift. Things can bounce back. In New South Wales, you know, around the same time in the 1800s, they made it clear uh, that they wanted secular education in government schools. However, they also made it clear that the definition of secular was not to mean anti-Christian. It was just to mean anti-sectarian. In other words, they didn't want one particular brand being promoted or pushed over others. And so to this day, in New South Wales, it is still in the law in place for special religious instruction to be allowed in public schools. Now, some individual schools have pushed back, but you've got churches that make an effort or an impression or a, or a presentation into that school, like we did nearly 20 years ago at Gosford High, because they didn't have special religious instruction. And this Tuesday, we'll have another seminar that we run every single term and have done so ever since with a team that I've got coming in. And so the slippery slope slope argument isn't always accurate. You know what I'm saying? Don't just think, oh yeah, it's all, the world's going down the gurgler and da-da. So we need to pray. Uh, And so um, pray that the doors stay open for the gospel. And yes, we're living in the last days, But we don't know exactly when Jesus is coming back. And side note, just be very wary when people start throwing out dates. A lot of Bible teachers over the years have got all very particular and accurate about this is what they know. And this is the sign. And then Jesus is coming back there. And then I would be a little suspect about all that because we don't know exactly when Jesus is coming back. What we do know is that he calls us to be ready when he comes to live fully committed to him and to be full of hope. And his ultimate hope. Another scripture, Titus two verse eleven. How are you going? Still awake, right? Who said just right? Deacons said crazy long Sydney siders, Honestly, it's in this direction. Sydney was that you, Ethan? Right? No, sorry. I'm just having a go. Sorry, never embarrassed first time visitor. Uh, now, uh, here we go. Titus two eleven. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people and it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. So notice that there is a negative ungodly influence in the world, but the Holy Ghost comes, the grace of God is upon us so that we can say no to that. You can live counterculturally not anti-culture, not against culture, not against people, but in God's culture, bringing God's kingdom culture into society. And while, verse 13, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour Jesus Christ. So there's the ultimate goal, the ultimate target or focus of our hope. And so this is a time for the church to rise with hope not just to like i say be overwhelmed by the darkness we should be passionate about our faith our calling to be unafraid of whatever the world throws at you even if it is problems or persecution sometimes that might arise from you standing up for your faith be excited about jesus you know coming through you to a hurting world because you know we, we want to be followers of jesus not just I don't know, looking for more followers on social media, just, uh, you know, con, con, committed to him. So, in the meantime, we expect more darkness, but also more light, yeah? Until he comes back. More evil, but also more good. And I'll, f- I'll finish with this um, passage that we've come to uh, a number of times throughout this series. I think it's really pertinent for the time that we're living in. And this came through uh, our. our Preaching, the prayer meetings that we've had. And uh, this is Haggai chapter 2, verse 6. It says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth. Well, isn't that just so true of the last couple of years? Crazy COVID-related stuff. And the Lord is allowing it. Shaking the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the dry land. I will shake all nations. And what is desired by all nations will come. That's the Lord Jesus. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. So that's where God meets with people. His church, his people, his family. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord. He's sovereign, in other words. He owns everything. And look at verse 9. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of of the former house says the lord almighty and in this place i will grant peace declares the lord almighty just like the other fruits of the spirit the love the joy the hope that i've been talking about and peace and so people will find peace so many sa- i'm s- stirred and and you know uh, peaked Like I said, when I hear about people saying, oh, I don't want to have children, or young people, I read surveys sometimes and they say, these are the attitudes of young people towards the future or prospects of the future about the climate or the government or whatever, I think, come on, guys, you you get into the Lord, you give your life to Christ, you will have that peace. You will have that hope. I trust we all carry that and we want to continue to carry that and, and appreciate that, yes, the world has been shaken, But that's not the end of the world. (laughs) The end of the world will come when God's ready. Jesus comes, not because we have too many droughts or too much rain or whatever. The Lord's in in control. And in the meantime, we pray for his peace to come and for the glory of God to shine and for people to be attracted to it. Amen? Come on, that's our future. That's our hope. So let's pray. And then I'd love us to get the band up and and join in this time uh, with that wonderful prophetic declaration of God's goodness over our nation come on let's pray for a moment father we thank you you are the hope of all nations and all peoples and we want to attend to that and lay our lives down and receive you into our hearts and and follow you and you know just before we finish while we're seated in God's house in God's presence I want to encourage you and challenge you, if you've never done this before, to give your life to Jesus. Surrender your life to Christ. That's you know that's what it is to be a Christian, not just attend church or be a nice person or own a Bible or behave yourself. It's a life that is just surrendered, submitted and sold out to Jesus to make him your Lord and Saviour. It's the best decision you'll ever make. It'll set you on a pathway Eventually to heaven, but before that, a pathway where you fulfill God's calling, God's plan for your life. He knows the plans that He has for you. They're good, they're to give you a hope and a future. But it's your choice. And I want to encourage you it's a very simple prayer. I'm not going to ask you to put up your hand or come out the front, but I encourage you to pray a very simple prayer that says, Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Because by nature we don't live for God we tend to run against him and against his ways and word but you can turn around that's what the word repent means just to change your direction turn to God say Jesus forgive me come into my life help me to live for you help me to follow you help me to find out what that plan is and then you start reading the Bible you start talking to God you start listening and obeying the leading of the Holy Spirit you join a church like this one, you get people around you who follow Jesus and encourage you maybe for the first time or as a recommitment to pray a prayer like that or come and talk to me afterwards or someone here help you figure out how that looks and we'll give you a Bible and some literature to follow Jesus. Jesus, touch every life here today and help us to live for you and we pray once again for our nation that you will continue to shine and be the light and be the glory that people are attracted to into the future. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net